you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Well, again, welcome everybody to church, whether here on, uh, in person or online. Uh, looking forward to coming to the end of this new series. This has been a good start to the year. It's been helpful. Uh, hopefully these few verses and double clicking in on each line over these four weeks has been a blessing. Uh, I'm going to pray for us that God would prepare our hearts to hear from Him. Let's do that. Almighty God, we thank You so much for Your Word, that Your Word reveals who You are. Your Word speaks into the world today, and Your Word is living and active, and that is able to cut into our souls and to our being. And we pray that You would do that today, and we pray that You would fill us with encouragement. You would fill us and build us up, and indeed, You would fill us with Your Holy Spirit. And so make Jesus big for us today, big in this moment, big in our lives as we go back to them after the service. Bless us, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, for our final instalment in the Great Commission, we are going to double-click in on the final sentence that Jesus spoke in the Great Commission. And as we do, I want us first to consider the power of presence. Not the Christmas presence that you have under the tree, everybody's eyes light up, somebody's presence in your life. You can be completely transformed by somebody's presence, even in a room with you. Think about it in your own life, the way that perhaps in the past you've been comforted by the presence of a friend who's come alongside you in grief. The way you perhaps revert to your childhood role in your family whenever you go home to your parents at Christmas the way people become starstruck or giddy around someone they look up to or famous or a celebrity. The encouragement you receive when you come to church and you look around and there are other bodies in the room. The confidence you get when a a friend or a family member is there to support you in some audacious athletic attempt. And the way the morale drops in the office when that one manager who has zero soft skills walks in to check on the team. As we have discovered during the pandemic, there is a real and tangible difference having somebody with you, being with someone in the flesh. The energy changes. Your perspective changes. And so it is fitting that this last sentence that Jesus spoke in the Great Commission is, I am with you always to the end of the age. Today we are double-clicking on that sentence. And behold... I am with you always to the end 
of the age. And so we're going to talk about a few things connected to this verse. Uh, we're going to start by double-clicking in on the first half of the sentence, I am with you always. To refresh our memories, Jesus here is standing on a mountain. He's standing with his disciples. We're told before he starts speaking that some of the disciples have come and they've started worshipping him. Uh, Some of the other disciples have come and they're doubting. They're confused. They're apprehensive about what's going on here. They thought that the Messiah was going to come and, and liberate the people of Israel. And he turned up dead. He died. But now he stands before them. Not so dead. And so what is next for them? The uncertainty of the future would have been palpable on the mountain. And to help that apprehension, to help that confusion, to help that doubt, Jesus ends his time on earth giving a very similar message to to what the angels brought when Jesus was about to enter into earth. At the beginning of this whole book that we're looking at, Matthew, Matthew's biography of Jesus, it starts out with an angel coming to Joseph. And the angel pulls a verse from the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, and quotes it to Joseph to prepare him for Jesus' arrival. He says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so Jesus would be this Emmanuel, this God with us. And that is the great reality that we get together around presents to celebrate at Christmas, that he dwelt among us, that he lived among us, that God took on flesh and came to be with us. And in his flesh, he slept, he wept, he sneezed, he grew, he taught, he healed, he performed miracles. And God did all that to be the Emmanuel, God with us. And here at the end of his time on earth, Jesus is saying exactly the same thing. He's saying, well, actually, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be with you always. And so if you are a Christian, every day is Christmas. This is good news. Every day, the reality that we celebrate at Christmas is true for you. That Jesus would be with you. Jesus is still the Emmanuel. He is still with us. And now that raises the question, naturally, well, well, how does this work? Because we we don't see Jesus with us, unless I'm missing it. I can't can't hang out with him. There's no viral video going around showing or spotting Jesus walking the streets of Jerusalem. Perhaps this was the one time that Jesus was wrong. Well, there's more to the story. You might know that sometime after this great commission, uh, some seven weeks after he rose from the dead, Jesus came again with his disciples. And the book of Acts tells us that he asked his disciples to wait hang out here, that actually I'm going to ascend back to my Father, but the Holy Spirit is going to come. And when He comes upon you, you're going to receive power to be my witnesses. And the Holy Spirit isn't isn't a vibe. The Holy Spirit isn't an emotion. The Holy Spirit isn't that kind of warm and fuzzy feeling you get when uh, the Hillsong track hits the eighth repeat of the bridge. No, the Holy Spirit is a person of God Himself distinct from Jesus, and yet united with Jesus in the Godhead. And it's interesting that throughout the New Testament, such is the unity of God that the Holy Spirit himself is called the Spirit of Christ. Paul tells the church in Galatia, And you, and because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 
He says in Romans, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And so there is no Christian today who does not have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ dwelling inside them. There is no Christian today who does not have the spirit of Jesus with them right now. And to put it more positively, in other words, if you are trusting in Jesus right now, the spirit of Jesus is with you right now. And so, question for reflection, do you know that? If you're a Christian today, do you you sense that to be true in your own life? That reality, that Christ is with you because Christ is in you. Jesus promised that he would be with them always. Jesus is with you always. And we're told that the Spirit of Christ would give us power. Power to be witnesses, power to persevere, power to keep trusting Jesus, power to internalize and memorize God's word, power to bear fruit, power to suffer for Jesus' sake, power to fulfill this commission that he's calling us to. And like all of the Christian life, we we live by faith and not by sight. And so yes, it is true that that Jesus isn't uh, standing right next to us wherever we go. But God promises this. And the recognition of its reality doesn't change whether it's true or not. No, God says it is true. We know that Christ is with us because Christ says he will be with us. But there's also our lived experience as Christians which can help testify to this reality. That time where you were struck to the heart and you were led to pray, Lord, have mercy on me. Those moments that you're humbled in repentance and perhaps you've either internally or maybe externally cried out to God asking for Him to forgive you, to change you. Those seasons of suffering in your life, those seasons where you felt all alone, those seasons of heaviness in your life and you're led to ask, how long, O Lord? Other times where you might be energetic about your faith and and confident about the future. Maybe it's the lessening desire that you have for sinful or unhelpful things that you previously really wanted to do. Maybe it's the thought in the morning to open your Bible and hear from God. That conviction to volunteer your time, to give of your money, to make a difference for Jesus. We could go on and on, that there is actually uh, tangible expressions or experiences of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. All those moments evidence of Jesus being with you by the power of His Holy Spirit. And so we can know that Christ is with us because Christ gives us the faith to trust that He's with us. And when we're apprehensive, when we're doubting, when we're confused, we need to know Christ is with us because Christ is in us. I am with you always. But then He says how long He's going to be with us. Not just leaving it at always. He then says, to the end of the age. Let's talk about what he means by to the end of the age. Uh, Some years ago now, I was involved in one of the most painful and joyful Sunday mornings of my life. I got to share it with Jared, who was up a minute ago. I participated in the Melbourne Marathon. And it has been now over five years. And I think I can still feel the muscle soreness in my legs 
but participating in a marathon, it has a couple of benefits. One is the extra cardiovascular uh, system that is improved, uh, which I've now lost. And the other is sermon illustrations, which I still have. Uh, so let me put one onto you right now. I distinctly remember uh, a few moments in the race. I remember at the halfway mark, thinking to myself, man, I am killing this. This is like the best run I've ever been involved in. I, I feel great. And pride comes before a fall. Because a couple of kilometers later, I thought, man, this is killing me. I don't know if I can make it to the end. And at that point, it becomes just a, a mental challenge to tell yourself to just put one foot in front of the other. And I remember after having to deal with that mentality for about seven to 10 kilometers, uh, we're coming toward the end of the race and uh, the track, the course kind of takes you around the tan track at the botanical gardens. And at this point, uh, even the guy in the wheelchair who had been using his arms for 37 kilometers now was beating me uphill. Such was the predicament I was in. And so I was flailing. And at that point, when you are flailing, you are looking for whatever motivation you can get to tell yourself to keep putting one foot after the other. Whatever resources I can find to keep going. And so I try to fit in for, for this sermon. I try to run next to other people, find, a, find someone who could keep me at my pace, which at that point was very slow. Uh, and, and other people would do the same thing, try to look for other people. When you, 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 you're too out of breath, you can't like say hello, can I run next to you? You just do it. You just run next to other people. But because everybody's thinking the same thing and not everybody's kind of going to make it, sometimes you choose the wrong person to run alongside. And so there were a couple of people that I'd, I'd run alongside and then they'd kind of peel off and keel off and go down onto the ground. And then the St. John's Ambulance volunteers would come and run over to them and they're kind of, all right, that's one out, find someone else. And as you're looking for people who are kind of keeled out and they've got like the aluminium foil all over them and the St. John's, you're like kind of keeping an eye out. Do I know that person? Should I care about this? No, I don't. I'll keep running. And so you keep going to the end. And then you make it to the MCG. And suddenly the 41 point or the 42 kilometers that has gone before you kind of becomes a very small thing because the finish line is in sight and I got to the finish line, and I was overjoyed. And I wasn't overjoyed because I was coming in first place or second place. I was coming in something like 3,146th place. But such was my joy was because I was going to make it. I was going to finish the race. And I bring that up because a marathon is a fitting picture of the Christian life. The New Testament tells us that the Christian life is like a race. And it's definitely not a sprint. It is a marathon. And just as there were moments in that race where I was looking around for help, someone to run with, someone to, to keep me accountable, make sure that I didn't keel over and stop, Jesus here himself promises us that he is going to be with us every step of that marathon that is the Christian life. The times where we think we're killing it, Jesus is there to thank. The times where we feel like we're getting killed by it, Jesus is with us to remind us of his promises the times we're thinking about giving up, Jesus is there to keep us going. The times we're just kind of trotting one foot after the other in pain and anguish, Jesus is there to bear us up and bring us comfort. And this promise that Jesus tells us that he will be with us till the end of the age is Jesus saying he will get us to the end. Come what may. I watch a lot of sports and sometimes I am simultaneously encouraged and discouraged whenever I hear an athlete talk about their faith. 
Because on the one hand, it's awesome. So good that they would be public about their faith. So good that they would uh, have the, the courage to step out in front of the cameras and the microphones and declare uh, what Jesus means for them or how their faith shapes their life. Good on them, I think. And then other times I'm a little bit discouraged because I find myself starting to discern their theology. And so often the reason sometimes people can talk about their faith is because they, they conflate God's empowerment with their athletic success, with their victory. As if Jesus was using all his power in the universe to help their team win. And you start to think about the Christians on the other team, what he thinks about them. But you know, I think Jesus isn't so bothered whether your team wins or loses. Jesus isn't so bothered whether you get that promotion or not. Jesus isn't so bothered whether you get to raise the amount of money you need to extend and renovate your house, or whether you have to keep renting for your whole life. Jesus isn't so bothered uh, whether you get a new car or you stick with the 20-year-old beater that you've got at the moment. Jesus isn't so bothered whether you get a HD or a D on your next university assignment. Jesus isn't so bothered whether you run the Melbourne Marathon or not. He's not so bothered whether you come first, second or third or 3,146th. No, Jesus wants you to make it to the end. Success in the Christian life is not prosperity or influence or publicity so much as it is faithfulness to keep running the race and the greatest fruit that christ can grow in us is that we might have a persevering faith one that sticks with him to the end he wants us to make it to the end and that is particularly true for those of us who are living in what jesus called what the bible calls the last days Because Jesus here says that he will be with us until the end of the age. And it tells us what the end of the age is going to look like. Jesus warned his disciples back then that they need to keep their lamps burning. They need to stay ready for when Jesus returns again. It tells us at the end of the age, yes, there'll be be joy and celebration and many things to be grateful for, but there'll also be trial and temptation. There'll be suffering and sacrifice. There'll be apostasy and antagonism. Sounds a lot like our age. You know, the end of the age that Jesus is talking about here is the age that you and I are walking through right now. In this already not yet reality where Christ has come and yet will come again. And so Jesus is telling us that he will be with us every step of the way in the kind of lives you and I live, in the kind of environment in which you and I live those lives. But to make it to the end of a marathon, you need the legs for it. You need to train. And in a similar way, in the the Christian life, one of the graces God gives us to help stick with Jesus, to make it to the end of the Christian life, is some of the activity that Christ calls us to participate in, the activity that Christ calls us to do. The Christian Standard Bible translates this passage as, and remember, I am with you always, to the end of the age. And I like that reminder to remember. Because... This, what we're talking about today, is is so much a a theological reality that we all might nod our heads at and intellectually assent to be true. But do we really sense it? Do we feel it in our own lives, in the going-ons of life? When you get to work on Monday, so often we don't live like Christ is with us. It can feel like we're alone. It can feel like Christ is distant. Perhaps he's, he's left us in the lurch. 
And so what we need to know is not just Christ's presence with us, but to live with the constant reminder that Christ is with us. See, now, in our tribe of the kingdom, in our tribe of the, the wider church, and our church is kind of the, of the theologically reformed persuasion, the expository preaching kind of persuasion, the, the get your Bibles out and let's look at it together kind of church. You know, we love the truth. And that is, that is a great thing. We love theological precision. It is good to handle the Bible carefully with fear and trembling. And we love leaning back on what we know to be true. And so when it comes to uh, statements like this, Christ's presence with us, we can tell ourselves, hey, it's in the Bible, it's true, that's that. But so often leaning back on truths like this can mean that we never actually lean forward to press in to experiencing it in our lives. We never actually lean forward to press in to this reality that God actually wants us to draw near to Him. Jesus told His disciples, abide in me. Seek first the kingdom of God. His brother James wrote a book of the Bible that says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Jesus is with us. And yet He wants us not to just lean back on that reality, but actually lean into it and seek out Christ's presence in our lives. That we not just rely on His omnipresence, that we not just rely on God's Spirit being in us, but He tells the church in Ephesus, be filled with the Spirit. That we should actually get proactive and pursue God's work in our lives and God's presence with us. And so think about it. What can you do this year to pursue Christ's presence in your life? You might have heard of a man named John Newton. He was a slave trader who was born again and became an abolitionist and an author and a pastor and he wrote many hymns, perhaps the most famous of which is Amazing Grace. And we have a lot of John Newton's writings. And in one of them, he, he wrote to a student and he said, The chief means for attaining wisdom and suitable gifts for the ministry are the Holy Scriptures and prayer. The one is the fountain of living water, the other the bucket with which we are to draw. You see, we can be filled with the reminder of Christ's presence with us, with the experience of Christ's presence with us, when we actually pursue Him in word and prayer. That they're not just spiritual disciplines that you kind of tick the box to make yourself feel good about your own spirituality. They're not just holy habits to get into, so you've got an affirmative answer for when someone asks you, how you how's your walk with Jesus going? Now, actually, the whole idea of coming before God in the Scriptures and in prayer is to come to God to draw near to Him, to strengthen our relationship with Him, to be renewed, restored, refreshed, revived. So let me encourage you to make that a priority this year. Make it a priority this year to pursue God's presence, to come before Him in word and in prayer. Now, you know your schedule better than me. You know how you might be able to work that into your rhythms if you don't do it already. And if you're anything like me, you know that it's actually not about your rhythms and it's not about your schedule. It's about your love. It's about your heart. And we could talk about the how-tos of Bible reading and prayer and fasting and journaling and serving and giving. But the only thing that's going to change our posture from, from leaning back to pressing in to God is that our heart is warmed to want to. 
And so let me zoom out of this last sentence. And let's talk about the, the Great Commission as a whole, that our hearts might be warmed by God's grace to what He has for us through this Great Commission. And let's land the plane on the series. And so the third thing I wanted to talk about is all things, always, all about Jesus. I hope it's been helpful to double-click in on each line, but let's read the whole Great Commission as one. It says this, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And when you read it all together, you notice something that is very repetitive. Notice the alls. All authority has been given to Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations so that they might observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. Pat mentioned last week, this is an all-encompassing text. Jesus is telling us here that he has absolutely everything needed for anyone and everyone to become all that he wants us to be and that he'll be with us all the way. And so wherever you're at right now, perhaps you come today, perhaps you tune in today, delighted in Jesus, strong in your faith, bouncing into church, bringing everything in your life before God in prayer. Or perhaps you come today crawling into church, weak in your faith, stumbling to pull up church online on YouTube. Jesus is telling us that wherever we're at, He has everything we need. Wherever we're at, Jesus has all authority to give us the grace we need. Jesus has all sufficiency to give us all the amounts of grace that we need. Jesus has all power to change the world and that He is worthy because He's lived perfectly. He's laid down His life sacrificially before rising victoriously. And Jesus is telling us that that He, with all authority, wants all peoples of every ethnic group to hear the good news about His sacrifice for them, the good news about His resurrection to new life, the good news that by faith in Him, you can have your sin put on His shoulders, your guilt taken off your back and put onto His, your life replaced with His. You can be reconciled with God and that Jesus wants that for you. Wherever you're from, wherever you're at, Jesus, with all authority, wants that for you. And Jesus wants all peoples of every ethnic group to learn to live the way of Jesus, to lap up his word, to live out all of his commandments in all of their lives. He wants all of the Bible to start shaping all of our life. And as we seek to do that, Christ promises that he will be with us always, all the time, everywhere, until the end. And so capture the confidence that you can have when you have this kind of Jesus with you. There is nothing that you're going to face tomorrow, nothing you're going to face this week, nothing you're going to face at any point this year or at any point in the future that is going to be too much for handle because you have Jesus with you. The Great Commission is really the great encouragement that Jesus loves you with an everlasting love, that through everything hard or hurtful, in every way possible, He's going to love you forever. 
The only limitation on the all-sufficient grace of God is our limited understanding to comprehend it, to remember it, to delight in it, to receive the joy we should have from it. And so Jesus is calling all of us today to make all of our life all about him. He is literally calling us. Grace, he's calling you. Every year I think about how we can uh, do this better as a church. Obviously, the Great Commission is, is a bit of a, a banner across every local church, we hope. That, that this is kind of their, their reason for existence. And though we might use different language, like know Jesus and make Jesus known, at the heart, really what we're going after is this, that we want to be made disciples, and therefore as we are made disciples, start making disciples of others. And so this year, my hope and prayer is, after, particularly after the last couple of years that we have had as a church, I want to help our community understand that, that this is not about, uh, or our community is not just the church, but it is our church. It's not just that the, the church is organizing some programs and some ministry over here. No, I'd love you to see it as, oh, this is our church, your church, my church. And this is how we're going about making disciples. Last couple of weeks, my son, uh, he's five, Axel, uh, we have discovered just how big of an industry it is to sit and watch other people play video games. Now, when we log into YouTube on the TV, you know, all the recommended options are watching other people play video games. And, and you can watch people play video games where the video game is lawn mowing. And so you just watch someone pretend to mow the lawn. Or you can watch somebody pretend to drive a truck in a video game. Or perhaps if you get really excited, you can watch somebody pretend to kind of beat other people in a, in a kind of shoot 'em up battle for survival. But it's amazing that this is an industry, because at the end of the day, that's really all it is, watching other people play, watching others. Sometimes we come to the Great Commission and we treat it the same way. For good reason, this text drives a lot of the modern missionary impulse to, to go take the gospel to new people groups overseas, to different countries. We should do that. But at the same time, it's also an invitation for you and me to be involved in the mission right now. So God doesn't want you just to watch others take heed of the Great Commission. He doesn't want you just to celebrate that others get convicted enough by the Great Commission that they shape their lives around it and they change their careers and they give up great things. No, he wants you to read it and get involved in the game yourself. And being a part of our church is getting involved in the game. You know, our church is a missionary project. In God's providence, he has put us together in this community, in the same part of Melbourne, at the same time in history, and so the people that you're, you're sitting beside right now, the people who are called this church home, they're the people that God has chosen that you worship beside. The people that God wants you to be doing life alongside, to bear each other's burdens, to pray for one another, to love one another, to confess to one another, to press in to God together, to make it to the end, trusting in Jesus and so the church isn't kind of like the leadership team. It's not a building. It's not a vision. It's not a brand. No, no, we are the church. We, the people 
are the church. And Christ is calling all of us to get involved, to build a church that shines in our city, to be the kind of people that are all hands on deck in blessing one another and the community. And we need all hands on deck to be the church that Christ is calling us to embody his presence in the world. We need all hands on deck to make disciples of one another and of those not yet believing in Jesus. We need all hands on deck to make it to the end. And in the Great Commission, Christ stands before us and he wants us to know that all authority is his so that we can make disciples of all kinds of people, that they might follow all of Jesus and that Jesus will be with us always. In a moment, we are going to celebrate communion together. And communion, it's fitting that we we do this at the end of the Great Commission because it does reflect this reality. Christ promises through the the elements, the the bread and the wine or juice, uh, that he is spiritually present with us to encourage us, to build us up, to strengthen us. And at the same time, communion represents the reality that, that we are one. One body, one church, one team, fulfilling this great commission together, called by him to be his hands and his feet together in the world. And before I call you to partake of the elements together, let me encourage you to respond to this particular message today. I've talked about the the need to press in to the Holy Spirit, the need to take proactive steps to pursue God's Christ's presence with us. God wants you to do that. God wants you to pursue Him in your life. And so I want us not just to talk about that, but to do it. And so I'm going to pray in a moment. But before I pray, I'm going to give you a moment. Just in the quiet of your own heart, in the quiet of this place, or if you're online, the quiet of your own home, to pray and to press in, to pursue God in your own life. Maybe you're feeling dry, Maybe your circumstances feel bigger than Christ's involvement in your life right now. Maybe you need a clean house through repentance. Just take a moment now and just sit in this. And in about 30 seconds or so, I'm going to pray that Christ, by His Holy Spirit, would come and draw us closer to Jesus in this moment. Let me encourage you to do that now. pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today conscious of your presence in our lives. And at the same time, we come before you sorry for the ways that we ignore your presence in our lives. We forget your presence in our lives. We move on 
from your presence. Lord, I thank you for these glorious words. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Lord, we confess that the end of the age is hard and our hearts are hard. And so would you push your way in to our consciousness? Not just in this moment today while we're in church, but tomorrow when we're at work, the next day when circumstances change, that time when temptation lingers. Lord, we just ask, come, Holy Spirit. Come and make us the people that you're calling us to be here in the Great Commission. Come, Spirit of Christ. Fill us afresh. Give us renewed faith. Help us make it to the end. And stir in us confidence that you are with us every step of the way. That you're with us right now. And let us be changed by that reality. And now, God, we don't presume to come to your table trusting in our own righteousness. Rather, we trust in your great mercy. And so, Lord, we thank you for these elements of communion that we're about to partake. We thank you for this bread, this juice. We pray that those of us who eat and drink them in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in obedience to our Savior Christ might be partakers by faith of his body and his blood. Renew us by your Holy Spirit. Unite us in the body of your Son. Bring us into the joy of your eternal kingdom, we pray. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.